This is Packers Now. Kyle Rogers looking. Throws left side of the end zone. Yes! Touchdown! Place for all your Packers news. Lost it over the left side into the end zone. Intercepted! Adrian Get the latest updates on the green and gold. Snap to Aaron Rodgers. Sets, fires, right side. Got Jordan Kelly at the 30. Touchdown! It's always Packers season at Packers Now. Right here, right now. And the Packers are going to the NFC Championship game. I'm your host, Ben Krakowski, and today we found out officially that Aaron Rodgers is coming back to Green Bay. The first report was that it was a new four-year, $200 million deal, which, which would set the market for QBs and the highest-paid player in the NFL right now. Uh, and... That is just a rumor, though. That is not officially true. There is another report that came out by Aaron Rodgers himself saying that that uh, contract, that he is coming back to the Packers, but that contract is not specifically correct. So we do not exactly have that those numbers quite yet. But the main thing is that Aaron Rodgers is coming back to Green Bay. And the main report is that even though we don't know how much exactly Aaron Rodgers will be making on this new contract. The main thing is that he will lower his cap hit for this season, which means that the Packers will be able to make moves to still be able to be competitive moving forward. I would expect if once we get the details of this contract, we're going to see a contract that is super guaranteed. It's going to be have some void years on it so that we can spread out that cap hit and his base salary is going to be pretty low, but his signing bonus is going to be crazy high. And this is going to be entirely manageable so that the Packers can keep being competitive for as long as Rodgers decides to be in the NFL and playing for the Green Bay Packers. And this is amazing and exciting news for the Packers that they were able to make this happen. The Packers actually were able to do everything that Rodgers asked over the last year to make him comfortable with coming back to Green Bay, and that's why this deal was able to get done. Rodgers asked for a few things to be able to stay in Green Bay and not feel like the lame duck quarterback he was feeling like. One, he wanted more say in decisions that affected him personally. And right away, this offseason, that has been proven to be true through the hiring of new QB coach Tom Clements. Aaron Rodgers loved Clements. He pushed for Clements, always talked very highly of him. And the Packers front office went ahead and hired him as their new QB coach once they lost theirs this offseason. Number two, Rodgers said he wanted to give his input on personnel in taking care of veterans who he believes could truly make an impact. He just wanted to be a part of those conversations more. Didn't necessarily want to make that decision, but just wanted to be a part of the conversation and be brought in. And we saw that happen not only with the trade of Randall Cobb, that's an obvious one, but also probably with some of the veteran free agent signings throughout the season last year. Three, Rodgers just wanted more open communication about what the plan was, what's going on, and we saw that happen after the playoffs this year before Rodgers left Green Bay and went off to do his own thing. Uh, Rodgers spent a few days with the front office, had a very long conversation about what this franchise would look like this season with him on it, on a reduced cap hit. Okay. What they could do with that. Okay. That was the main point of that conversation. 
And that's why the Packers felt so confident he would be coming back. And then four, and finally, the thing that Rodgers had made clear is that he didn't want to be seen as a lame duck quarterback. He wanted the respect of being trusted that he's going to be in Green Bay for a long time, as long as he decides to be. And to do that, he needed a new contract, which is what the Packers have done right now. I think the Packers front office does deserve a lot of credit for being able to get this done and stay competitive uh, and fix this relationship. Rodgers talked about relationships more than almost anything else. And here we saw that Rodgers didn't feel like the relationships were great a year ago today. Um, but now it's an entirely different story. And Rodgers feels like those have been restored. And that's a really good thing because now more than ever, the Packers are going to be competitive and probably the best timing throughout Aaron Rodgers' entire career. The NFC is the easiest it's ever been to win, ever, in Rodgers' career. The amount of dominant teams in the NFC are almost at probably zero, okay? This is anybody's chance to get to a Super Bowl in the NFC, and you can't say that about the AFC, which has so many young and elite quarterbacks. You got Russell Wilson now, who was just traded to the Denver Broncos. You got Patrick Mahomes. You got uh, Justin Herbert. You got uh, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, okay? Right there, six dominant teams all in the AFC. While the NFC really, there's the Rams, maybe the 49ers if Trey Lance really takes off, and the Bucks if Tom Brady comes back. But right now he's retired. I don't think we can count on that. I think it's probably a 25% chance he comes back. The Packers and maybe the Cowboys. But again, the Cowboys have made some terrible cap decisions over the years, which is really hurting them as well. So really, this is this is not a very talented NFC. Um, and I just feel like with so many great teams in the NFC, there's going to be a lot of teams that you feel like, hey, these guys are the best team, and they're not going to become the best team. They're not going to win the Super Bowl because it's just so competitive in the AFC. And those are teams that maybe don't go to the Super Bowl for the five, 10 years, but they probably could be making it to the Super Bowl over here in the NFC. So the Packers are the obvious front runners in the NFC now because of this move. And the move that also happened today was the Packers did decide to franchise tag Devonta Adams, which ensures that Adams stays in Green Bay and gives the Packers time to get a long-term deal decided. And honestly, the franchise tag is cheaper than the deal that they would need to give Adams on a long-term deal. So it's not the end of the world that we are franchise tagging Devonta Adams and that he's playing on the franchise tag. The main thing is that he and Aaron Rodgers are both in Green Bay and the Packers with these two have the chance to win a Super Bowl this season. So for today, I want to jump into kind of an off season, but a mock draft scenario. So you guys can start to learn about some draft prospects I've been looking at, interested in, and also see where I think the Packers should go right now, a direction they could go to build a successful team for next season. And for this scenario, I want to be clear of what I would be doing if I was the Packers GM at this point. And the, uh, some big moves the Packers are going to need to make would be re-signing linebacker Devondre Campbell, cornerback Rasul Douglas, Rasul Douglas, restricted free agent wide receiver Alan Lazard, and offensive tackle Dennis Kelly at the start of free agency. I say the start of free agency because the Packers might still not have the cap space to do it beforehand, okay? The Packers need to be under the salary cap space by that, I think it's the March 16th free agency date, 
Then once the new year hits, the Packers can do whatever they want, okay? And so they can start re-signing all those players. They can have contracts set up, ready to go, but they can't be, quote-unquote, official till then. And then at the very same time, then they can trade away the monster contracts that just don't make much sense for the Packers anymore. And so they could trade away a Zadarius Smith. And here, I think they could trade away Zadarius Smith to a team like the Giants for their second-round pick. Preston Smith to the Jets for the second-round pick. Jordan Love now is not useful on the Packers team for sure, and they think they should move on from him. Trade him to the Colts for their third-round pick. And Billy Turner to the Dolphins for their third-round pick. And there's a good chance the Packers could decide to keep one of these guys, especially Preston Smith, uh, maybe extend him to a new deal to lower his cap hit, which would make sense coming off the year he just had. I would understand that. But when talking about Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith, these are both two players who have really had just one career year during their entire time in the NFL. For Zadarius, that was back in 2019. And for Preston, that was here in 2021. Now they are both about to turn 30 years old, which isn't super old by any means, but Zadarius is coming off a scary back surgery. Preston has not been able to keep up with the dominant play for more than a season. And it's also concerning that weight has been an issue on and off for him throughout his career. And so if you can trade these guys while other NFL teams still consider them stars, that's what you should do. Then the Colts are the one of the only teams to say they want Jordan Love. Now trading Jordan Love doesn't get you as much uh, as you would hope it would. But I think you could convince the Colts to give you a third-round pick for him at the worst, and you could start developing players who will actually help and play on this roster because Jordan Love has no future here in Green Bay. Then Billy Turner is a cheap option for a team to start at offensive tackle, and the Dolphins need an offensive tackle more than pretty much anybody, and they need somebody who can come in and be solid from day one, no more projects. And so for them, getting an offensive tackle to do that just for a third round pick that will cost them just $4.2 million this season is a steal. And that's huge for the Dolphins, honestly. And when offensive linemen are hard to find, and it's not necessary for the Packers. The Packers have a great option by re-signing Dennis Kelly. Who Dennis Kelly, I don't know if you know this, but Dennis Kelly was a better offensive tackle this season than Billy Turner was. So this series of moves would allow the Packers to be great at QB, obviously. Running back with both A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. Uh, left tackle, Bakhtiari, left guard, JRJ, center Josh Myers, right guard, Royce Newman, and right tackle, Dennis Kelly. And then they still would have Elton Jenkins, who could take over at whatever position once he gets healthy from that ACL surgery. Defensively, we would have an awesome edge rusher, Rashawn Gary, awesome interior defense lineman with Kenny Clark, a solid rotational guy in TJ Slayton, Devondre Campbell at linebacker. We'd be three deep at cornerback, and that's one of the most important positions on your defense, honestly, with Jair, Rasul, and Eric Stokes. And then we'd have both safeties covered with Savage and Amos. But these moves, this combination of moves, would also leave the Packers in a bit of a bind at several key positions. Uh, and that's what I want to address in the draft because we're going to need some more depth um, on the offensive line. We're going to need two more solid receivers. We're going to need a starter at both edge rusher and on the interior defensive line. We need some depth at linebacker as well. But the Packers will have plenty of money to spend at this point since the new league year had begun, and we could fill some key positions just through free agency. Now, like always, we want to avoid unrestricted free agents early on so they don't affect the Packers' compensatory picks, and we want to target players who are either cut or we sign 
these guys late in free agency. And there are plenty of veteran free agents who I believe, again, will sign later in free agency for a reasonable cost and could come in and be high impact players for the Packers. The two outside free agents I would attack or go after late in free agency to save money, not affect compensatory picks, are either tight end Max Williams or tight end Robert Tunyon and edge rusher Melvin Ingram or edge rusher Daniil Hunter. So first starting at that tight end position, tight end Max Williams is kind of a hidden gem in free agency, I think, because he was having a heck of a year up until week five where he suffered an ACL injury. Uh, but Williams was on a tear to start the 2021. He had a 78.8 PFF grade through week five, which ranked fifth among tight ends and eight yards after the catch per reception, which ranks sixth among all tight ends. Williams has always been a strong blocker too. He had 82.3 run blocking grades since 2017, which is the third best among all tight ends with at least 100 run blocking snaps over that span of time. And uh, so he is coming off an ACL tear. It's never a good thing, but these are becoming more and more normal. And he suffered the injury early in October. He should be mostly recovered by week one. So I think Max Williams is a very underutilized player throughout his career and I think would fit well within this Packers offense. The other tight end I mentioned, obviously you all know well, is Robert Tunyon, okay? He obviously missed most of the season due to his own ACL surgery. We know how athletic he is. We know how well he can fit in this offense when healthy. I think this would be another cheap and easy late free agency option to sign him to address the tight end position. I don't think we have to do that until we know more about how he's recovering late in the summer. And by addressing the tight end position, this allows the Packers to not have to focus on finding one in the draft, giving them more flexibility in the draft, because I don't think tight end is a very valuable position. I think it's a difficult uh, position to evaluate and scout anyways to know who is going to be an actual valuable tight end. And there is not much evidence of tight ends coming into the league and being effective right away. And so finding a veteran is key and it's pretty cheap to do so. The other major position the Packers would need to address is edge rusher. Obviously, the Packers could simply extend either Zadarius or Preston Smith and not trade them away. That would be a way to solve that issue. But like I said earlier, realistically, both of them have played their best football. It's already behind them. And if there was a time to trade either of these two guys, I think now would be the best time to do so. So I'm still going to draft an edge rusher in my mock draft coming up, but there are other but there are options in free agency who can be cheaper options than either than either Smith and have the same effect or even greater. The first is edge rusher Melvin Ingram. Last year, Ingram finished the season playing with the Chiefs in a full-time role, and he played exceedingly well. During that time, he had an 80.4 overall grade, which was almost identical, actually, to Preston Smith's 81.5 overall grade. But Look at the difference in cost, okay? Melvin Ingram, most likely the Packers could sign him for about $4 million this offseason, while Preston Smith is going to cost the Packers about $20 million this offseason. If we were to trade Preston Smith, not only would we get the draft capital back in return, but we would also save $12.5 million, and we could still sign Melvin Ingram for $4 million and still have $8.5 million more to spend on other players. That's why I think signing a guy like Melvin Ingram and Trading away Preston Smith is a good idea. The other guy I would like to mention is edge rusher Daniil Hunter out of Minnesota or from the Minnesota Vikings. Currently, Hunter is still on the Vikings roster, but there's a lot of speculations that the Vikings would want to cut him because he's going to 
cost the Packer or cost the Vikings $20 million if they don't cut him and they can save that straight up. And Hunter has not played 26 of the last 33 games going all the way back to 2020 season where he had a herniated disc in his neck, didn't play at all. And then last year, about halfway through, he tore his pec in 2021. But Daniil Hunter is just turning 28 years old this October, so he's still very young. And if he can recover, he could return to his high-level play for a reasonable amount of money on a one-year prove-it type of deal because he was good every single year of his career. And in 2019, he was elite. He was one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. A team, I think could sign him to that one year prove it type of deal for probably 10 to $12 million in a year. And even that contract could save the Packers money because if we traded Zadari Smith, we'd get that second round pick back and the Packers would save $15 million and we could still go out and sign Daniel Hunter and we'd still have $5 million more to spend if they wanted to in other ways. There are great options out there at a rusher to have a great starter opposite Rashawn Gary, and we still get draft capital back in return for Preston and Zadarius Smith. So that's why I think that's such an important move to be made. Now, with the Packers making at least one of those moves at tight end and one of those moves at edge rusher, going into the draft, the major issues the Packers would need to address this April would be depth on the offensive line. We need to find a couple of receivers, uh, an interior defensive lineman, and a linebacker depth as well if something happens to Devondre Campbell. So going into the draft with the trades I've mentioned here, the Packers would have 13 total draft picks and six in the top 100, which would could really address most of the concerns the Packers have very, very quickly. And that's why I like trading these guys away and having the extra cap space to sign veteran free agents. In round one, the Packers have pick 28. And at pick 28, I would have the Packers drafting Jordan Davis coming out of Georgia Jordan Davis is a behemoth of a player pretty much a guy like no other he was the most athletic defensive tackle ever and NFL combine over the weekend he came in at a insane size like people expected at six foot six 341 pounds 34 inch arms and just some monster hands as well but the most important part about those measurements is that everyone knew he was going to be huge right but no one knew how explosive this guy was going to be. He ran a 478 40-yard dash, and that's insane at his size. 32-inch vertical, 123-inch broad jump. Some of those explosive numbers when it comes to things like the jumps, he did better than some receivers I was looking forward to seeing at the Combine this weekend. Uh, Before the Combine, I did not have this guy as a first-round player because I thought he was a little one-dimensional on tape. He... uh, I didn't think he had potential as a pass rusher in the NFL because of his tape. He was just in the sixth percentile and pass rush grade during his time in college. But with this kind of athletic testing, we're looking at a possible, you know, Vita Vea, but even bigger and more athletic um, and more explosive. And I can work with that. The Bucks and Rams are two teams that are great examples of, hey, if you have a dominant interior defensive lineman, it allows you to do two things. One, it allows you to more consistently have less total defensive linemen on the field, which sets you up to be faster and be more prepared to stop the pass, which is the most important thing you need to worry about as an NFL defense. Yet, the concern with having less defensive linemen on the field is you're going to get run all over. You have to be able to stop the run in today's NFL with lighter boxes. So with less defensive linemen on the field, that's just a given if you're going to be a top NFL defense mostly because stopping the pass is just of utmost utmost importance. 
Now, though, if you have a guy who can constantly occupy double teams like a Jordan Davis and still win and live in your opponent's backfield on the running downs, that's super duper helpful to your team. And uh, teams analytics are still trying to measure what that means for a defense if you have a guy like that. There's not anything quantitatively out there yet. They're still working at that, but I think it does mean something. And so... In college, Davis was 81st percentile on run defense grade, 90th percentile on run stop percentage grade. And I would like to draft Jordan Davis here and put him next to Kenny Clark. I think our defense then would have that two-interior defensive lineman look that they could rely on so that it can be lighter, have more defensive backs on the field to stop the high-powered passing attacks in today's NFL, but also not be a liability in the ground game in the midst of that. And this could be a game-changing move for our defensive line and one that I would take a chance on with this type of athleticism showing up. Then at pick 36, this is a pick that we had acquired from a trade from the Jets for Preston Smith. And here's where I would draft wide receiver Sky Moore out of Western Michigan. Sky Moore was the highest graded receiver in the entire country last year. Nobody could hold him. He just, this is a guy who gets open constantly. His release package is insane, making you miss at the line of scrimmage. And it wasn't just last season, though. He didn't just have a one-year wonder. He has the second highest receiving grade among group of five receivers since 2019. His concern, his major concern going into the combine would be that he wasn't extremely fast. But at the combine, he measured in, yeah, he's a little short at 5'10", 195 pounds, but he still ran a 4'4", 140-yard dash with decent jumps, a good short shuttle. His three-cone was a little slower than I wanted it to be, but he had 31-inch arms, giant hands. Sky Moore, after the combine and seeing his tape, reminds me of Julian Edelman with his ability to get open, but he also kind of reminds me of Antonio Brown as well because his size may make you think he can only win in the slot, but in reality... I'm not concerned with him on the outside either, and I think he can could become a great receiver too behind Devontae Adams. Next, at pick 37 from the Giants for by trading Zadarius Smith away, this is where I would draft wide receiver Christian Watson out of NDSU. Okay, Christian Watson is a prospect, so kind of the opposite of Sky Moore a little bit, but he stands at six foot four, 208 pounds, 32 and a half inch arms, 10 and one eighth inch hands. This is going to, he's a tough player to cover no matter where he is on the field because of his size, but it's not his size that makes him special though. He, in college, he was the FCS player of the year this last year, even though he dealt with a hamstring injury last season that hindered him and he was still that good. He was still that dominant. Finally, he was fully healthy going into the senior bowl and there at the senior bowl, he looked uncoverable at times, which is huge because he has to show that coming from an FCS program where the competition just isn't as good. And so he went to the senior bowl and performed really well. And early on in his career at the worst, I think he could be your MVS with his speed, his ability to win deep down the field. Uh, and get be able to get behind corners, but also he has the explosiveness to be kind of a jet sweep type of guy as well. And I think that's at his worst. Okay, he tested absurdly well at the combine. Combine he ran a four three six forty yard dash, three eight and a half inch vertical, one hundred thirty six inch broad jump. He now pretty much has locked himself into the second round, and maybe even has become a first rounder. That's why I have him drafted this high. He did have that eighty nine and a half. 89.5 receiving grade in his final season at NDSU, which is elite for sure, but it wasn't absurdly dominant. He wasn't always uh, taking over games every single week. And 
that production, it was a little concerning to some, and I think it is to me a little bit too, and I think will be a big reason he's not a first-round player. But I think as I take everything into account, I think that hamstring injury really did hold him back from being as sensational as he could have been this season. And so I think this, to me, uh, is a perfect MVS replacement with a high possibility of, of being much more than MVS ever was in Green Bay. Now, the Packers' next pick is not until pick 60, but in this mock draft, there was an edge rusher I was targeting that I want on my football team to be my primary backup edge rusher that I would develop, and that player is Boye Mafe out of Minnesota. So I had the Packers trade up to pick 50 by giving away pick 60, pick 136, and pick 169 to do so. Mafe was the highest-graded pass rusher over the course of the Senior Bowl week Okay, and that's a big deal because there were some other great edge rushers there, and he had the highest pass rushing grade. He was dominant there throughout, and in college, he was a solid player every single year at Minnesota, but he didn't get as many snaps as you hoped you would see. At six foot four, 261 pounds, he ran a four five three forty yard dash, a great explosive numbers, and I believed. I just believe Mafe has what it takes to be special as a pass rusher in the NFL. And Lance Zerline of NFL Network compared him to Rashawn Gary coming out raw, but has the athletic tools to be special. He needs to improve his technique, hand skills, footwork to get to the QB consistently faster. But those are all things that are totally fixable. It just takes time to develop. And so having Boye Mafe behind two great edge rushers like Rashawn Gary, like Melvin Ingram, for example, and him just being able to come in and be kind of be a rotational guy will give him time to develop so that in year two or year three, he can step in as the full-time starter and maybe develop in a similar way that Rashawn Gary did. At pick 80, the Packers have an extra third-round pick here from the Colts in the Jordan Love trade. And here, I have the Packers selecting cornerback Tariq Woolen out of the UTSA. So Tariq Woolen is very unique for the quarterback position because at six foot four, he is in the 99th percentile for his height. He weighs 205 pounds. He is 33 and five eighth inch arms, which is super long frame. That's in the 98th percentile for his arm length, which is so important for breaking up passes as a defender. He, he ran a 4-2-6 40-yard dash, which is 100th percentile, so the best of the best at the cornerback position, a 1.5-second 10-yard split, and that just demonstrates that first burst ability to break on the ball, which is huge, okay? In a 40-inch vertical, 98th percentile, this guy, you might think this guy should be a receiver based off these numbers, and he was. He actually, just two seasons ago, switched over to the cornerback position from receiver. It wasn't working out for him, so he switched here. And so his college production wasn't great because of that, but he's still learning the position. Position He needs more time to develop. But even just after two years, he held his own for the most part at the Senior Bowl week. There he was the fastest player recorded that week at 22.5 miles per hour. He even had one great day at the Senior Bowl where he really stood out compared to everybody else. He obviously has the athleticism and tools to be a special type of player, but because he's only played the position for two seasons now, he's going to take some time to develop. Probably two seasons, at least on your kind of on your bench, just being in an NFL program, uh, just trying to grow in understanding and technique that's needed at the cornerback position, but has all the potential in the world. And for me, is worth a third round flyer. And this is why you sign three cornerbacks and have three guys you consider starters on your roster because 
then you can take a chance at something, some guy who could be so special because you don't need him to play and start right away. You can have him on your bench. You can have him learning behind great and different players like Eric Stokes or like Rasul Douglas, like Jair Alexander, um, and learn from the best over the next couple seasons. At pick 92, the Packers' original third-round pick, I have them selecting linebacker Troy Anderson out of Montana State. So Anderson really came out of my radar at uh, the combine this last weekend. He weighed in at 243 pounds, 6'3 and a half, inch, uh, 6'3 and a half 32 and one-eighth inch arms. And this is probably the most important number. He ran a 4-4-2, 40-yard dash, 97th percentile for all linebackers. So super fast. And so the 40-yard dash is important, but it's kind of the vertical, the broad jump, that power explosiveness that really uh, sh- predicts how well a linebacker will be able to play when it comes to combine numbers. And he even there, he was 75th percentile, 84th percentile. So really solid numbers in the vertical and the broad. And so he played at the FC... FCS level. Um, and so because of that, he didn't play 2020 season because COVID, they kind of canceled FCS. But in 2021, just in his one main year of playing, he had an 80 plus PFF grade as a run defender, tackler, and in coverage. Overall, PFF grade of 86.3. This is a guy I'm checking out and getting out of my defense because not only did he play at a high level in college, but he has the athleticism to back it up as well. The Packers had Devondre Campbell at the linebacker position on the roster, but if he gets injured, we need someone who can step in and be the main guy in the middle of our defense. And I think Troy Anderson could be that guy. Now at pick 100, the Packers received this pick from the Dolphins in the trade for Billy Turner. Here I have the Packers drafting another receiver. Okay, going into this offseason, it's likely the Packers will only have three receivers on the roster. We have just added two more, but realistically, we could add another right here so that we could cut Amari Rodgers. And that pick, if it were me, would be Kelvin Austin III out of Memphis. Okay, Austin looked fantastic at the Senior Bowl. He won one-on-ones constantly. He was great around the red zone there as well, consistently creating separation. And then he came into the combine and did what he had to. He put up some incredible numbers, but with those numbers, you do have to factor in his understandably great numbers, though, at his size of just 170 pounds, and just five foot eight and just 30 inch arms. So this is a very short, very small player with a short wingspan, which is going to make it hard for him to win in the NFL, even if he's just out of the slot. And it's going to drive him down draft boards, even with the scores he had. And those scores, though, were very good. He had ran a 4-3-2 40-yard dash, 39-inch vertical, 135-inch broad, 6-6-5-3 cone, 407 short shuttle. So those types of numbers show that he should do well in the NFL in the slot, but it's that height, that short arm length that's going to make it difficult for him to compete at times. And I think Austin kind of falls down into the third round range because of it, but is a guy worth taking a shot on even due to his size concerns with these types of combine results and just how productive he was at the senior bowl too. I think he is a great player. Um, and yes, size is always concerned, but I think here's worth, here's a spot worth taking a chance on a guy like this, because if he could turn into a great slot receiver, you know, your Cole Beasley esque but more explosive, that's awesome. That's a huge win for the Packers. And finally, the last pick I'll mention in this mock draft is our final and only fourth round pick now because of the trades at pick 130, and here's where I will draft an offensive lineman. The Packers need some depth on the offensive line. Just last season, we saw the Packers have to be without every single one of their starting offensive linemen the entirety of the season, except Royce Newman at right guard. 
four out of our five stars all missed time, and so did some of our backups as well. And so now with the 17-game schedule, only one team getting the bye in the playoffs. The Packers cannot allow an injury on the offensive line to be the reason we don't get to another Super Bowl. So here are the Packers taking offensive tackle Luke Gudecki from Central Michigan. Gudecki is six foot five, three hundred twelve pounds, thirty two and one fourth inch arms, and it's those arms that are going to have him fall down draft boards because this is an offensive tackle supposedly with short arms, and that can be an issue, and it could force him to move into the interior offensive line at the NFL level, but we'll see because in college, especially in 2021, he was a stud at right tackle PFF graded 92.2 in his final season in college. He actually formally played tight end as well. And he's still kind of one of those guys in the process of really learning and really just owning in the craft that it takes to play offensive line because he was a tight end before this. So he projects well as a guard into the NFL he could add some needed depth along our offensive line. And I think he does have the potential to develop even more and eventually become a full-time starter on our offensive line. So with that, this is basically our new team for next season. And what this new team allows us to do is still get younger. This is not a, hey, we're pushing into the future so we can be good in the future. These are really good draft picks that allows us to get cheaper so that we can get younger through the draft, have impact guys coming in through the draft. But also, when we add guys through the draft, what it does is it's going to allow us to sign more veteran free agents, okay? What I've kind of found, what I've kind of noticed is that injuries are going to happen no matter what. Hopefully, they don't happen to major guys on your roster. But the Packers are going to need salary cap space to sign plenty of veteran free agents, guys that other teams maybe aren't worth taking a chance on, or maybe guys who would play one more year for a chance at a Super Bowl, and that's what they'd have in Green Bay. Okay, we saw the Rams and the Packers do this really well last year. Last year, even the Bucks did this really well over the last couple of years as well. But their ability to bring in major players who are like, you know what, I think I'm going to be done. You know, you know what, wait, I have a chance to win a Super Bowl with this team. I'm going to go there. And so I think there's going to be lots of veteran free agents who want to do that with Green Bay. And the Packers will be able to sign them because we moved on from and made difficult decisions on guys like Zadari Smith, like Preston Smith, like Billy Turner, uh, like Jordan Love, like even cutting Dean Lowry, cutting Randall Cobb possibly. Just moved on from veteran players who are just kind of eh. And so that we can take maybe you know 10 shots at veteran free agents who are okay, maybe in their final years of playing, they want to come in and win a Super Bowl. They're going to be super motivated. You can trust them to come through. And so that's what I think, what I really like about this situation. Because in this situation, we're going to be set at QB. We're going to be set at running back. Now we're going to be, we have Alan Lazar, Devontae Adams, who we can definitely trust, definitely rely on. And then behind him, a lot of really good receiver talent as well. The Packers could go out. And sign a veteran receiver as well. That's totally an option to them that they have. We'd be we're gonna be good at tight end. We're gonna have depth on the offensive line. We can go out and sign more veteran offensive linemen. They're gonna to want to play in Green Bay to win a Super Bowl if they have that opportunity. Okay, we got the edge rushers we need. We got the interior defensive linemen we need now. We can go out and sign another. There's lots of interior defensive linemen, veteran guys who I really, really like out there on the free agency market who I think are going to be cheap rotational options. We're going to be much better options than the Packers currently have on the roster. 
Okay, today we obviously didn't go through every single draft pick. We skipped the fifth, sixth, seventh rounds. But I wanted to give you just an idea of just how good we can make this football team over the next couple of months. And these next couple of months are huge, okay? The Packers have the possibility to make something really special here. And now that the Packers have secured Aaron Rodgers moving forward, uh, the secured Devontae Adams for this next year, and we have that one-two punch, one punch combo, the Packers... I think are the favorites to win the Super Bowl, and they gotta really think and be very, very intentional about how they spend their money, spend their resources over the next couple of months, because it could lead to something amazing like this, and the Packers being the favorites to go to the Super Bowl in 2023. So that's all we have today, folks. Make sure to stay tuned for more episodes of Packers Now. If you haven't already, make sure to to subscribe, give me a review, so I can hear what you guys think about the podcast and tell your friends about Packers now so that they can get all the latest updates on the green gold because it's always Packers season at Packers now. Thanks, guys.